You guys be seated, please. I want to dismiss our school-age kids to the back, where they're going to learn about uh, sanctification today. Amen. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been a boring week this week, I feel like. Not a lot going on. Um, man, how encouraging uh, was our worship just now through, uh, through song with our band? Where we just see just the picture of the, uh, really the gospel in every single, every single song we sang today, which is just so encouraging to me. In the midst of uh, when things are, feel unstable, we have the great hope of the gospel to cling to. And so, so this week, you know, it's been a crazy week, right? We've all kind of felt this craziness in one way or another. And so it was spring break for us in Bozier today, uh, this week, and, and I was scheduled to preach and uh, just kind of do a standalone message, not, not a part of a series or a certain book of the Bible. And Wednesday afternoon, you know, I was in the office and I just wrapped up my sermon. It was the five T's of mission. It was just so good. Y'all would love it. We all be missionaries leaving here today. And then all hell breaks loose uh, Wednesday evening and Thursday and Friday there was this real sense of uh, you turn on the news and it's like, oh no, Tom Hanks is sick. You know, that's when it came real for most of us. Um, if Tom Hanks is sick, then we're just all in trouble, right? And then March Madness is canceled. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I, I heard somebody say, ever since that Cats movie got released, everything's gone wrong since then. And so I think that's true. But um, I will tell you though, um, and this could just be me, I'm sure it's you as well, but this week, in a sense, like hour by hour, day by day, it's been this right here. It's been up, it's been down, it's been like worry, it's been peace, it's been what do I do next, who's going to be okay? There is this real sense, as you think about it, that the world we know, and not just like the sickness or those kind of things, just the world we know just feels unstable. Is that fair to say? The economy kids at, at home all day long, all hell's going to break loose there, all those kind of things, right? That we see this and it just feels unstable. And here's the deal. What, what, what the thing that's getting us is the unknown, the unknown that is in front of us. What this has revealed, honestly, in I think my heart, and I'm going to assume maybe your heart as well is this right here is that we've put a lot of faith into some really shaky things. We put a lot of faith into some really shaky saviors. And we're feeling this world, in a sense, the things that we kind of hold dear crumble around us, right? You know, Luke mentioned how all throughout Scripture, it's people that are suffering in the midst of life, right? But if we're all honest here in our little world, we have grown up very, very blessed. And that is a good thing. I'm not saying it's wrong. We've had a fundamental kind of security with our finances, with the economy. And there's this sense more than anything this week that you feel what are gonna, what's going to be the effect of just the way we live going forward. Forget health for a moment, but just the way that we live and do commerce and our economy and our country functions, there's a real sense of like instability, Correct. But also, there is this sense of when you start hearing about sicknesses, of what you're hearing about, that your own personal health, you start kind of just feeling uncertain or unsafe. And then for our elderly and those around us and the ones that are, that are you know, 
not as healthy as us possibly, we really worry about those people or even about like how jobs and schools. I was talking with Howard Davis uh, yesterday just about Providence up here. And just, he said, just please pray for us. We have lots of difficult choices ahead of us. Just a real deep sense of instability, correct? Of like this sense of like, okay, I take a next step here. Or is it going to just all come crashing down? And it's in these moments like this, even deciding whether we should gather today, it was this kind of decision. But in these moments, the only place that we can turn to, and this sounds so like cliche and like what a pastor would say, but it's the truth. We turn to God's word. And for me, this week, it's been the Psalms. And here's why the Psalms are just so beautiful, especially in a time like this, because the Psalms is where we really see the heart of God come out. We see it in an emotive way, in a real way, in this just beautiful way, the heart of God. But we also see the, the most honest picture of man to God throughout Scripture. Where the psalmist, throughout the psalms, just cry out to God. Say, God, where are you? God, what is going on? God, why is this? But God, you are good. So today we turn to the psalms. And the psalms point us towards Christ, which is our ultimate hope. We're going to be in Psalm 62 today. I read this passage on Tuesday as a part of our reading plan that does still exist, by the way. Um, our reading plan, I read that in Psalm on Tuesday, and uh, I've come back to it throughout the week this week. If you would please stand with me as we read God's word from Psalm 62, verse 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence, the only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. For God alone Oh, my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If Riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. The power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. This psalm here is a beautiful picture. It's a psalm of trust. It's a psalm of trust to God, a declaration of trust to God, but it's a psalm of trust in the midst of dilemma, in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of tough times. This gives us today a picture of how to respond in the middle of the storm. Not just after we're delivered from the storm, we say, oh, praise God, I was there, but now I'm here. But in the midst of the storm, how do we function? How do we process? How do we live? So what was this psalmist dilemma? What was going on here? 
what led to him crying out to God, declaring this psalm of trust. He was being attacked and slandered by other people. Other people were attacking him, slandering him, and it led to this kind of what is going on here. And you see here that in Psalm 62, it does not address God until the last line of the psalm in verse 12. That's when it finally kind of comes to actually talking to God. In fact, in this psalm, we see four different groups of people that it addresses. In verses 1 through 3, we see that addressing the attacker, declaring to the attacker, my soul for God waits in silence. Declaring to the attacker that from him comes salvation, that him only is my rock. Declaring almost in a prophetic way to the thing attacking him who God is and how good God is and how I will trust, on, trust in him. But second, he speaks to his own heart. In verse five, read this. God alone, oh, my soul, wait in silence. My hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. It's this picture of the psalmist crying out to his own soul. I know this is true. Believe this and declare this, that God is my rock. But also we see here in verse eight, it's talking to the people of God, almost in a sense of corporate worship in verse eight. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So we see the attackers here, then crying to his own heart, then the people of God crying out together that God is our refuge. And then finally, speaking to God, declaring confidence of the kind of God that he is. Declaring that he is a God of love and a God of power. And you see throughout this, the beginning, the middle, and the end of this psalm is this declaration, reminder, and this cry of trust. Of trust that God is good. Declaring to the attackers, declaring to himself, declaring to the body, declaring to God that God is our refuge, that God is trustworthy. So you look at this passage and the main idea of this passage and our main thought for the day is this right here. We must stop looking to shaky saviors and lift your eyes to the secure savior. Stop looking to shaky saviors. If this week has taught us anything, that we must stop looking to, to just shaky saviors. I will tell you, as I prepared this week, as I've been praying today and thinking today, I'll tell you this. Um, I, I believe this, that we as the church, we are in a moment of great opportunity. Where the world might see chaos, where the world might see fear, I believe the church of Jesus Christ sees hope and sees opportunity. So the question is, what does that look like? We're gonna kind of unpack this passage, unpack this, even this phrase. First thing, we must stop looking to shaky saviors. This is all about faith. For us to stop looking at these kind of lesser, shaky, unsecure saviors, we must reckon with faith. Look at verses nine and 10, how this text describes things in this world. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances, they go up. Hear this. They are together lighter than a breath. The psalmist are painting a picture 
that these things that we're so concerned about, the things of comfort, the things of security that we're just always just so worried about are lighter than a breath. They can literally support nothing. They carry no true weight in our lives. And we have seen this reality come true this week. Like for us, it is kind of born true that these things that we kind of hold secure have shown to be lighter than a breath. We are used to the shaky things, money, stock markets, retirements, resources, security. We are used to those things being secure and we have placed so much trust in those things that when even the possibility of those things being removed, many people are losing their minds, correct? We also place a lot of trust in our health or in our, our friends, our family's health, that if things were to go wrong, everything then breaks down, correct? Here's how you know if you've really been shaken. Here are some kind of tells for us today. If every hour we're checking social media to find some good news, right? That we are trying, that we, that we, here's what we believe. We functionally believe that if the news changes, if things settle down, that our hope is restored. That subtle shift right there of putting our hope in the things of this world, the shaky things as being our our salvation and our hope today. Or maybe this right here. Maybe we just keep posting on social media so people can see our point of view. That we're trusting in that, that if I'm just right, everything's going to be okay, correct? Or there could just be a sense that you're just living right now overwhelmed and worried about every single thing. You're just living overwhelmed and worried. And kind of last thing I see happening in my life and probably your life as well is that we're turning to all kinds of things to distract us, Right? Movies, TV shows, whatever it might be to distract us from our current reality. And if we're honest, this has all been us in different ways this week. Here's how I think I thought about this. I was talking to Tracy last night about how this looks for us and how the things we're trusting in just aren't holding up. So I I have three kids and we play this game where they will sit in my lap. I can hold their weight just fine. They're small. I'm, I'm pretty big. Um, no comments, please. Uh, and I can hold their weight. But then we turn around, and they love this. They'll sit on the couch. They'll start laughing. And I'll come, and I'll sit on them. And it's all funny at first, right? And then I sit there, and they literally just cannot hold my weight, correct? And, and what I see happening this week in my own life is this right here, is that I have put, like, this faith in things to have the weight of a toddler, And I'm trying to sit down these things. They cannot hold me. They cannot hold us. And here's the thing. I don't say all this to bring shame to us today. To say, well, you've been worrying. You've done this. You've done, you're wrong here. That could all be true. It's true of me as well. But I don't say it to bring shame. But it should bring conviction. And here's where the opportunity is today. There is a chance for us today to learn in a deeper way how to trust with faith in the things of God. Matthew 16 says this, and this describes many of us today. Verse 26, what will, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, security, houses, health, wealth, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? 
And listen, I don't know why this is happening. I'm not trying to explain that or, or give you God's thoughts. I have no idea, but here's what I do know is God can work all things together for the good of those who love him, correct? And God can work through this to do this right here, to let us push away lesser things and believe in the greater things. It's like the Lent season is being forced upon us, correct? We have to forego these lesser things for the sake of the greater thing. Here, our greatest hope today is not our world turning back to normal tomorrow. It's not our greatest hope. Here's our greatest hope. It's for us to repent and turn to this only secure thing we have, which is God. It's to turn, repent, and trust in God. That is our greatest hope today. Look at verse 7. It's a great picture of the God that we're turning to. Verse 7 says this, On God rests my salvation. That phrase right there is a whole sermon in itself, isn't it? On God rests my salvation. Let me just ask you, just as a friend and as one of your pastors, are you resting on God for your salvation today? On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. You see this parallel, don't you, between the, 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 the breath the lightness of the other things of the world and the rock of God. It draws you to Jesus, right? The cornerstone of everything. The cornerstone of the church is Jesus Christ. And for many of us today, we're seeing that the, the cornerstones of our life are faulty, are weak today. My salvation, my fortress. Verse 11, look at this. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. That power belongs to God. And that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. And it's this great picture of God. This picture of his love and his power. And here, friends, is where the good news comes in. As we can look at the current reality of the world and we can be stressed out and say, oh, I'm sinning. I'm worrying here. This is not right. We can see all those things. But if we truly humble ourselves and repent and we turn to a loving God. We just sing about this, correct, right? This great story of the gospel. And we see this perfect, this love and this power perfectly in Christ Jesus, right? We see the love of God perfectly in the cross of Jesus Christ. That you worried so much in tough times, that you turned so much, that you were so vile, that I am so vile, that a cross was needed. And the ultimate act of love that we can even imagine is the God of the universe paying the price for my sin and for your sin. That is love. But the good news is this right here. It doesn't end there. It's not just his love, but also his power that three days later there was an empty tomb. And he's defeated sin, defeated death, so that in times like this, we do not have to live in fear because the church of Jesus Christ has this great hope, the power of God that defeated sin and death because now we don't fear death. We don't fear hardship. Through faith, we have the Holy Spirit of God that empowers us in a supernatural way to have peace and love and joy. So today, we must reckon with this question. Where is our, what is our faith in today? What is our salvation resting in today? What are the shaky saviors that we keep looking to over and over, just hoping they might give us a morsel of hope for five minutes? 
and we've turned for three or four days and those shaky saviors, they're not coming through, are they? They're not coming through. And this for us is the opportunity is that God can enlighten our hearts and our eyes to see these things for what they are, shaky, and to turn to the hope of a loving and powerful savior. But here's the issue. If you're like me, uh, you can say yes and amen to that, correct? Yes and amen, I, I believe that, I trust in that, I'll sing to that, raise my hands, I'll clap, all those things. But come three hours from now, that faith gets shaky, doesn't it? That faith begins to wane. And, and many times it's because of what we're focusing on. We can have great faith, but if we turn to focusing on something else, our faith, the power of our faith begins to wane. So we think about our next phrase, lift your eyes to the secure savior. If we stop looking at shaky saviors and then lift our eyes towards secure savior, this is all about focus. If our first point's all about faith, the second point's all about focus and what we in our day in and day out are focusing on. Listen, friends, we cannot abide and focus on the noise of this world. Many of us are beat down because we're abiding in the noise of this world. The noise of this world takes the power out of our faith. It wanes us and it shifts our attention and our hope to something else. Look at verse one. It says here, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. Look at verse five, for God alone, oh, my soul, wait in silence. Look at verse eight, trust in him at all times. Oh, people pour out your heart before him. It's this picture of just ongoing silent focus and trust. To trust in him at all times, to keep our focus on him. I think about Peter, right? an apostle of Jesus, that Jesus was walking on water, you know, normal day with Jesus, and says, Peter, come join me. And Peter, with his eyes fixed on Jesus and nothing else, literally starts walking on water. We, we hear this, we heard this, if you've been in church, you've heard this your entire life. But I want to remind you, Peter, a man, not Jesus, Peter was walking on water. It's miraculous, Correct as his eyes were focused on Jesus. But as soon as he saw the things around him and his eyes shifted away from Jesus, he began to sink. There is this commonality in our Christian faith that we must learn and discipline ourselves to keep our focus on Jesus, our focus on God and his good news. There's this great picture of, of silence in this passage, right? This idea of silence right here is just like this picture of trust. If you're just silent before, it's this great picture of trust that you know that things are hard, things are tough, but God is good. This picture of silence, but also this picture here of crying out and pouring out your soul before God. And listen, we have just lost this practice many times. We have lost this practice. Listen, God is big enough to handle your questions. Why is this? What happened here? God is big enough to handle those things. But many times we take those questions and we take them to the wrong source. Another person, another thing, 
it becomes a complaint against God, not a conversation with God. Here's what I mean. When my kids come to me and ask me why this happened or what's going on here, for me, it's a moment in with them. It's a moment of fellowship with them. Because here's the thing, God wants you. He wants all of you. He wants your questions. He wants your fears. Bring them to God. God is big enough to handle those things. We see this all throughout the Psalms as they come to God and God renews their faith. And the psalmist says, but God is good all throughout the Psalms. A verse that I've just come back to over and over this week is from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Lift up my eyes to the hills. Hear this. This lifting up the eyes. This lifting up is a discipline. This lifting up is a discipline. So what was our fast from Lent this week? Does anybody know? Social media. How'd that go for you? Right? Right here, the chief of sinners. I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm just pointing out that it is so easy for us, for that discipline to be gone like this. And we lift our eyes towards different things and not towards the hills. Hear this. There's a phrase I heard this week. Our reflexes have to change. Just so our reflexes have because when we hear bad news, our reflex is to turn to lesser things. Maybe it's, a lot of folks, it's Netflix, right? It's to just get my mind off this, binge something, have all this free time. My reflexes turn to that, or your reflexes just go to right to news. You're just like on the news twenty four seven on TV, social media, whatever website you go to. That's just your life. You're just going to process those things and just kind of live in this state of anxiety because it's a reflex for us. And we have to learn to understand this reflex that we have to turn away from the hills and towards something else. When we experience worry or experience our faith waning, the reflex must be abiding silence on God's power and love. So the question for you today is, what is that for you? Of course, it includes God's word. Of course, it includes prayer. But it also includes things like conversations with other Christians. It includes really good books. It includes songs that lift our eyes towards the hills, correct? It includes just silence sometimes. Taking one verse and just sitting and just soaking in the truths of that verse. But we have to learn this reflex, friends, because with great faith, that's great, but it's going to wane today. It's going to wane tomorrow. So what is the reflex when we feel that tension, when we feel the faith waning? What is the reflex for you? What are you turning to today? John Tyson says this, one of the great temptations during this time will be to binge mindless content out of boredom. But it could be a real opportunity to grow in prayer, depth, and knowledge. Listen, for at least this week, many of our lives are changed, right? We're home, people are home. So here's the test this week. Here's the opportunity this week that we can reclaim some ancient practices. The practices of the church, which is not hurry. Is it? It's not. We've been forced to slow down this week. And it's this great just kind of where the, the, the slate is wiped clean. 
that we have a chance to kind of rebuild our personal and family practices to help us focus on Christ and to grow our faith as opposed to other practices that sap and wane and discourage our faith. Ultimately, our faith and our focus reveal what we fear. Here's what I mean. If we're putting our faith in these shaky saviors and our focus is on the noise of this world, if if our faith is these little things and our focus is all the news, all the noise, all the things, right? Here's what's going to happen. It will lead to fear. Fear of losing money. Fear of a different kind of person. Fear of just the next thing that can go wrong. It leads to fear. But hear this, fear and the things of this world is not a part of being a follower of Jesus. We're walking in fear. We're not walking in the power of Jesus. We are not called to walk in fear. Yes, wisdom, yes, mindfulness, yes, love of neighbor, but not fear. Remember our main thought today, to stop looking to shaky saviors and lift your eyes to the secure savior. But what happens when we start living this way? We live in this way where our eyes are fixed on Jesus, where we know that he is the ultimate hope for us. What happens? Look at verse 12. And this last verse here in this passage, this last part of this passage is very humbling. He says here, for you will render to a man according to his work. You will render to a man according to his work. God sees our actions. God sees our actions. And here's the truth. Many of us, we're simply fearing the wrong thing. Look at Matthew 10. Jesus says this. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Sometimes Jesus is just so black and white, isn't he? Don't fear those who can only kill the body, but not the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. God will render our actions. God sees our actions. Even in the midst of dark times like this, God sees this. Here's my main point with this right here. We should be much more fearful of our response to this crisis than what may happen from this crisis. We should be much more fearful of how we respond than what actually happens from this crisis. Many of us, including myself, are walking in like these worst case scenarios, right? And we're living in fear of these. Here's what I'm saying from God's word today. We should be much more concerned with our response of faith over fear or fear over faith than any results that happen from this. Listen, do not give yourself over to the fears and the ways of this world. It is so easy for us right now to just give ourselves over to the fears and the ways of this world. Here's an example of this. And I, yeah, I'm going to say this. So I saw this picture on Facebook the other day. This is always terrible to do this, but I'm going to do it. Um, and it was this person that I know, nobody in this church, don't worry. Um, I wouldn't do that. That was showing how they're ready. And their closet was full of toilet paper and guns. That was what they were showing the world. And the next post was this scripture verse. And we, that's funny, and, that's, and I get all those things. 
But it is so easy for us to creep into the ways of the world in the name of protecting our family, isn't it? Friends, do not give in to the fear and the way of the world. What are you truly fearing today? If you could write it down, what are you truly fearing? What is that one thing that happens that you're truly fearing today? Because today is an opportunity. There's great hope today to walk in faith and not fear. And here's the exciting part. This is what's really exciting. When we actually begin to fear God first, we begin to walk in fear of God, then the church can get to work. But if we are living in fear of the world and not faith in God, the church is ineffective. The church is weak. There's no love. There's no power. But church, if we begin to walk in fear and worship of God, God will use the church. And that today should bring us great hope and great excitement. What does this look like? What does it look like for the church to walk in this way? I've got three things for us. First is for us to be hopeful. The church should be hopeful because we know of and we have the greatest hope in the world, salvation found in Jesus Christ. We have the great hope among us, so we should be hopeful people. But it's not this kind of trite, superficial, plastic smile kind of hope. Because we're not just hopeful, but also we must be broken. Because through this crisis, there is real suffering, correct? And who suffers the most in times like these? The poor, the elderly, and the weak, right? The hourly workers who are losing money as we speak. That we should be broken for those people. Not without hope. But we see this perfectly in Jesus, don't we? He looked over the crowds and Jesus was broken for their lostness. And we as the people of Jesus Christ should look out at the things in our world and we should be broken. There's not this trite kind of, oh, we're always happy, we have this great hope. There's a real brokenness among the people of God when they're suffering in this world. And I've seen this, not in our church, but in just different circles, this idea that, well, I'm young and I'm healthy, I will not be affected by this. It's the most anti-Christ-like thing ever, isn't it? Who gave his life for us, went to the cross for us, that our concern should be for the poor, for the elderly, for the weak among us. We should be broken. Last thing we should be, we should be the light. We have great hope and we're broken, but friends, the church now, through through fearing God first, we should go out and be the light. Where the church is, hope should abound, amen? That we should not live in the darkness of this world. We have the great hope. We just sang about it, correct? We just sang about it. And the beauty of times like this is that God is removing the waste from our lives, and taking our focus, our attention, our hope, our practices, and placing them right on Jesus so that the church can go out and be light in the midst of darkness. This is why I said I was excited as we started this sermon, because here's why. When the world is in panic, the church has peace. 
When the world is fearful of others, the church is seeking the least of these. When the world is fighting, the church is a peacemaker. When the world is telling us to hope in shaky saviors, the church is declaring the love and power of a risen savior. Listen, there are tough times going on right now. We know this. That's not a a newsflash to us. But church, friends, we go out with the great hope of the gospel that we should go out and be light in a dark world. So what's next? How do we respond to this today? I've got four things for us. First, commit to faith in the secure Savior. Here's my hope today, to be honest with you, that we're going to take time in a moment. And we're not going to do communion today because we don't have our stuff ready for um, the season of life for communion. But we're going to sit at our seats in a moment. We're just going to pray and talk to God. And here's my hope is that today all of us in this room, either for the first time or the thousandth time, are repenting and renewing our faith in Christ today. Maybe for you have never done that, that your faith your entire life has been in other things. And that today is the first time you're putting faith in Christ. Yes and amen. Let us know how we can help you and partner with you in those things. But for many of us in here today, today is a day to recommit our faith in the secure Savior and turn away from these shaky saviors. Second thing, we're going to commit to a quiet, abiding focus on God. What is your reflex, right? What is the reflex you turn to when you're discouraged, when your faith wanes, and when life hits? And this week should tell us what we turn to. Me included. I'm not going to tell you what mine is. But uh, what are you turning to? What is your reflex? And how can we commit this abiding, quiet presence with God? Third thing, we will commit to minister where God has placed you. God has placed you at a work a neighborhood, and a family, and a friend network for a reason. Hear this, church. God has placed you to be the light in the midst of darkness where you are. Who is the elderly person you can serve? Who is the person that is having fears you can calm down? What is the step of faith you can take to minister right where you are? But not just there. We have to commit to minister to the least of these. And here's why. As Cassie told Luke a few weeks ago in their meeting, that many of us, we're in a bubble, right? And if we just stay in our bubble 24-7, the least of these around us will go unattended and go unloved. So on some level, we're going to have to decide how we personally are going to go and find the least of these. Yes, in your personal network, care for those people. But how are we going to care for our friends downtown? When things get really bad, they're the first ones that are forgotten. How can we commit to care for the least of these? My hope and my prayer today is that God has put a step of faith in front of you. I don't know what that might be or how we can encourage you in that, any of those things right there. But here's what I want today. I want a time where we just pray. Just by yourself, silently, just you and God. Where you're doing work with God, asking God, God, what are you really saying to me? God, what are you teaching me? And Lord, how can I respond with obedience to this? I'm going to pray for us. There is no communion today. It's just you and God at your chair. Respond with faith. Let us know on your card what God's doing in your life and how we can pray for you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for um, the great hope that we have in Christ Jesus. That although we are 
we're sinners, although we're broken, although we make mistakes, uh, you have pursued us and you loved us. Lord, things feel just kind of unshaking our little world right now, Lord, and we ask you to fix, to help us fix our eyes on you as our only hope, our only salvation. Lord, speak to us during this time. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be in the back if you want to pray with someone.